Hello and welcome back to Casting Nuts Podcast. I am one of your hosts, also the sponsor of today's show, Pastor Will Harley. I am joined here with my co-host as well, uh, Pastor Dave Rudat. Why don't you say hi, Dave? Hey, hi. It's great to see you. And we're He's not joking. even seeing you, but it's yes. great to see you. Great to see you. <laughs> you know, this is this is my part in the uh, the the uh, the show that we have is just to bring it down. Like we have Will Harley who is sponsoring this podcast and then you just have Dave Rudat who you're just dragging through um, he's here he's got a voice maybe he'll say something but uh, just, uh, just I only I'm, bring I'm, up the sponsorship because the last couple episodes were your 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 idea and you wanted to follow through the the pastoral epistles and so you sponsored those I'm sponsoring this one as we're starting our look at the Old Testament um, and so that's the only reason I brought it up um, just some information for you that, that I was made privy to as um, we're starting off our show, and I just thought I would share it with the rest of you as you listen. Um, we are now a podcast that has over 10,000 uh, total downloads through the life of our podcast. We have 116 hours and 24 minutes. Very of precise. This poor performance from yes. Dave Rudat. Well, maybe not so much from me. but uh, Well, most of it is from, from me and... and um, and all of our hosts as we have gone through. But we have uh, uh, some wonderful content, 116 hours of total content that you can enjoy. So if you if you are wondering what can I waste my life with and what other things can I fill it with that mean absolutely nothing for my day. Actually, they mean look a into lot us. for your day because we are talking to you about Jesus and that's a lot, lot of things. So less about us. Less I mean, about us. Yeah, less about us, more about Jesus. That's all what the... Real Life Living Faith Casting Nets is all about. That is absolutely true. And also, I wanted to bring up, um, I noticed that we were maybe having some issues with people finding us on Apple Podcasts, that it wasn't the link wasn't working very well. So I've resubmitted to Apple Podcast, and we should be up and running with them within the next 24 hours, I would assume. Um, also, uh, we have submitted now to Spotify, and Ooh. so we should be uh, within the 24 hours, next 24 hours on Spotify. We are on Amazon um, on their Audible um, music podcast page there. And uh, we are also been, uh, we're now on the podcast index. So, ooh, ooh, you know, I don't know what all that means, but that's all right. Because I found out, before we get into our show today, I have found out that I'm old. Um, so my son has this new uh, um, NBA 2K2022, uh, 2021, whatever it is. And uh, he says, Daddy goes, want to play? Want to play a game with me? And then I'm like, all right, you know, it's on Switch. And I'm like, not that hard. I played games on Switch before. And he gives me the controller, and I'm like, so what buttons do what? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, you'll figure it out. And so I'm sitting there, and, you know, I'm used to, like, the old basketball games where you hit one button, you get you, you all of a sudden take control of the guy closest to the ball. And no, you gotta like you gotta have the whole keypad memorized because you had to hit a button and then it pops up over their heads which guys are where and you had to be able to hit it really fast and say, by the I I played for a minute and a half, and when he handed the controller to me, the score was nine to ten, no, eight to ten. When I handed it back in a minute and a half, 
it was eight to thirty-two. So I I completely I told him I said I'm done. I said it's a sign of my old age. I I am now I am forty. I am way over the hill of playing fast-paced games. Um, so uh, uh, I probably should put the death knell in the, into my coffee. It's in there, time to take know. your son out to the shop and say, here here this is. You figure it out. Here's something called a power power tool yes figure it out yes or yeah take them out to the shot or or here's an engine (laughs) yes figure that one out while i have a beer (laughs) and then when you can't i'll have you hold my beer while i fix it (laughs) no it's just one of those things where you you look at your life and you're like man you know there was and my my wife laughed at me last night because she's like she said i remember the time when when you were in college you used to play you know video games that used to be a thing that you did and i'm I'm like, I am so out of practice. I, I, I mean, it's just, you know, those are skills you lose. Yeah. Uh, I, had a, I had that similar story this morning. I got into my vehicle and I was having difficulty getting the seatbelt on, and then it clicked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, since we're... <laughs> All right, one bad dad joke. Dad joke, ha- dad joke. One, one dad joke has to follow another, so... <laughs> So here's the dad joke for them. Here's the second dad joke in this morning. Uh, so you have a bear, right? You have a bear. And the bear puts on socks and the bear puts on shoes. Still has bare feet. There you <laughs> Here go. you go. <laughs> and with that, we're going to have our disclaimer because I think we'll need it for today. <laughs> well, dear friend, dear listener, and Casting Nets uh, podcast, we are just two pastors enjoying one another's company, and most importantly, enjoying the scriptures, uh, which talk about Jesus. But in that conversation, a lot of the things that we'll say, like you just witnessed, are not the views of the uh, church bodies that we represent and that we serve, and um, may not even really be the representations of ourselves if we're just having a good time and just uh, talking with one another. So, uh, dear listener, if you have something that you are upset about because of something that we have said, we invite you to talk to us and uh, engage with us. You can email us, castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can go on Facebook. We have a Facebook there. You can actually go on the Casting Nets. uh, We have a Casting Nets site that you can go to. Just uh, um, You can go there. You can also, and this is where we get most of our feedback, is people coming and talking to us. Uh, after church or after Bible class or coming into our offices during the week and just saying, hey, pastor, I listened to your podcast. Uh, What about this? And did you really mean that? And so we invite that. We also invite you, if uh, something is um, uh, too offensive to you, to listen to something else. Uh, Go listen to another podcast that we have or turn us off because we are just two pastors. We're letting you in on our conversation. We're letting you in on our lives and our our crazy minds and uh, senses of humor um, because we want to share with you what's most the most important thing on our mind, and that is Christ uh, for you. So. For a while now, I've been wanting to do um, this kind of a, a show and talk with you about about Christ in the Old Testament. I took a, a class, and you know, I took that this summer, the summer academy class. Um, 
dealing with uh, really Christ in the Old Testament and and seeing him in the Old Testament and seeing just really how the Lord um, just screams Jesus uh, from the pages of of the Old Testament text. And so I thought it would be a really good conversation to start off where we're headed because we're looking into the future. We want to talk about the Torah. We want to talk about uh, Leviticus, which has been a, a question from some of our members. You know, they said, how do you understand Leviticus? Because it's just a bunch of, of worship laws. And so we really want to take a time to, to walk our way um, not get bogged down in it, but walk our way through Leviticus and say, what's the what's the big picture here? What are we looking at? Well, to do that, I I, I proposed to to Dave. I said we should probably start that conversation, and we can talk about Jesus because you know it's all about Jesus. He's he's on our heart and mind. And I and and he said I like talking about Jesus, and I said I I do too. <laughs> and and so we said well. Should we talk about Jesus in the scriptures? And that's always a good idea. It is. And he said, that would be great. And then we both decided to ignore the Greek because the New Testament is is Greek. And we decided to embrace the Hebrew. And we're going to go to the Old Testament and we're, <laughs> we're going to look at Jesus in the Old Testament. Leviticus is also a good book for us to go through because oftentimes when people are reading through the Bible, the Leviticus is, is one of those books where you just... Uh, if you're trying to re- read through the whole book, you're like, oh, you just get bogged down on Leviticus and you say, well, do I really need to read this? Why is this important? Why did Jesus? Why did Why did God uh, preserve this book if it is just so much information? So that's why I'm also glad to to read about it. Perhaps it, our goal is, or maybe it's my goal, is that uh, people would appreciate more the book of Leviticus. Absolutely, and you know, one of the things I think we should before we we dump, uh, jump on into where we're we're going to be going for today is just to realize that there is nothing in Scripture that is not important for our our faith and for our growth in, around the cross. One of the things I think that we 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 kind of think about when we look at the Scriptures is that there are more important books than other books. Um, and, and Luther was notorious for that when it came to the book of James, right? It was the gospel of straw. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what he, he thought because he said, you know, it's one of the most distracting books if you read it without the context of, of understanding that it's talking to somebody who's in faith. Um, but I don't think Luther would ever have said it's an, an unimportant book. But sometimes we get it into our head that, that there are more important books than other, other books. The Psalms, very important, right? Um, Genesis, you know, especially uh, in today's conversation with, the, with the, the world in which we are living in, scientific world in which we're living in, Genesis becomes a very important book as the, the foundation for the origin of man and the origin of original sin um, and all of this. You have books like Exodus become very important, right? You have the establishment of the people of Israel and, and, and the things of that nature. Uh, Deuteronomy, also the entrance into the Holy Land. You know, you have this, they're beginning to enter in, Joshua beginning to enter in. People are looking at that and saying, yeah, those are pretty important. But then you sort of lose, you lose some of the traction in the book of Numbers. You lose some of the traction in, and definitely in Leviticus. Um, you lose your traction probably as you, you go on into uh, Judges, um, you know a couple of the famous judges, but you don't really read the book of Judges very much. And then when you get into to uh, first and second Kings, first second Chronicles, you get to the chronologies, and they're like uh, the eyes start to cross, and you're like, do I have to memorize all these names? And then when you get to the uh, the prophets, it's like we have no idea what the majority of the prophets do, except Daniel. We like Daniel. 
Daniel's a good prophet. Isaiah's a good prophet. Uh, only the last half. <laughs> 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 I don't I, I like Isaiah but I'm saying a lot of people are more familiar with the last half right because we read it other than Isaiah 9 okay we read that every Christmas we, so. we read that but but the rest of it is read the last half is read during the the season of Lent mm-hmm. and so we're familiar with Isaiah 52 Isaiah 53 um, but you know a lot of the 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 stuff that's going on in the rest of Isaiah Ezekiel anything? If you like uh, visions, you can go to Ezekiel. If you like to hear about Ezekiel, is the one with the wheels, the yeah, chariot on wheels, and yeah, and the and the the cherubim, which are are the uh, the eyes within the eyes, and, and you know, with all the weird, just weird looking angels. Um, but he has got that. But then I mean, you have Ecclesiastes, where where you know, when we feel really depressed, we read that book, um, and and it makes us more depressed. Um, and then we. <laughs> Proverbs, right? Everyone goes to Proverbs because those are the little uh, bits of morality that we try to grab from life. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you know, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Um, we know, we know Jonah, um, and mostly we know Jonah because of the the big fish. Um, but we we maybe don't understand that God gave all of these as as keys for us to learn and see Christ as he acts in the world um, and as he interacts with his people. Um, and that, I think that's an important thing for us to remember that, that the, that Christ isn't just in this book or that book or, or only in this area and that area of the scriptures, <clears throat> but he is throughout all of it. Um, and, and so it all is important and it all will affect us at a certain point in time um, to a different degree. And so I think it's important for us to maybe take this t- opportunity and, and, and say, okay, so let's look at the Bible that Jesus used. Let's look at the Bible that the apostles used, that, that the disciples knew. Um, we look at the New Testament and we're like, oh yeah, there's Jesus in the New Testament, right? There's Jesus. And then we sometimes will say to ourselves, why didn't Paul quote Jesus? He quotes the Old Testament, well, that's because, you know, and, and maybe this is the theme for, for, for today, um, is that we don't read Jesus into the Old Testament. We read Jesus out of the Old Testament. And, and we look at exactly what the scriptures were that Jesus used and what the scriptures were the disciples used and what the scriptures were that Paul used. And we see Jesus. That's a very important point because throughout history, people have looked at the Old Testament and said, there's a different God, it seems, in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. Uh, is that Marcion was the, the guy that uh, threw out the Old Testament and just did the, uh, just did the New Testament in our nation's history? Thomas Jefferson didn't like the Old Testament. Um, and nowadays, to do a lot of times when people have an aversion to Christianity, they'll just say, well, look at your Old Testament. Uh, why... Why, why, why do you, you say you like Jesus and the love part is nice and loving your neighbor and loving your enemies and all that. That's all nice stuff. But what about the old Testament? What about the, all of these bloody sacrifices in say in like, like Leviticus, how can that be, how can that be the same God? Right. And, and I think one of the, and, and saying that is, is really the point of, of what we're trying to are doing here in the podcast is that, and and I think everyone who's maybe listening, most everyone who's listening comes from a Wells background and they'll say, Oh no, our God doesn't change. But they still have that question that nags in the back of their mind. 
why doesn't he interact the same way? And, and, and it's not that he changed, but his interactions with people seem to be different in the Old Testament than they are in the New Testament. And I would, and I would say, and after taking my class with, with uh, Chad Bird, um, I would say he, he doesn't. His interactions don't change. Our interactions change. The culture in which it's found has changed. Um, our reaction has changed. But God's action towards his people has never changed. It's always been consistent, and and I think I, I, the more I've been studying, and the more I've been reading, and the more I've been looking at it, and the more I've been going back and and doing some of my Old Testament studies, and and diving back into more of the Old Testament, you see, you know, God's grace is there, the gospel is there, the promises are there. Um, what does God do? God says, God says, here's perfection, here's what I demand, here's where you fall short, here's what I have done, um, and and then and he says. I am a jealous God. I don't want you to go and fall away. It's the same thing that Jesus says, right? Be holy. Be holy. Yeah. Be perfect. Um, it hasn't changed. <laughs> it it didn't all of a sudden say, oh, but today I'm more loving. <laughs> no. It, it, it's, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus walked in and chased out all the tax collectors and the, and the, and the people who were defiling the temple. Um, God chased out all the people who were defiling the Holy Land. I'm kind of the same thing <laughs> or, or or you have Jesus uh, talking about when people try to pin him down on the commandments Jesus always is reaffirming what the commandments say you know which one is the greatest of the commandments and so this was an opportunity for Jesus to say oh you know that stuff we said in the Old Testament this, pish posh yeah pish posh yeah <laughs> this is the new thing and even when Jesus says a new commandment I give you on Monday Thursday it's the same one well it's a new command because we've been empowered to do it uh, through what Jesus has done and what Jesus is giving us in the Lord's Supper so yeah, there's a lot of times where Jesus had opportunity to rewrite the Old Testament or to correct the Old Testament, for example, on marriage, and he does not. He reaffirms what the Old Testament says. Right, he doubles down and says, and and well, then and then he even goes beyond that, right? He goes beyond that, and he, he even at, at various times and moments throughout his ministry, he'll actually say to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, right, for, for salvation. You search the scriptures for hope, and they are written about me, that— I'm here. This is this is this is exactly what you are reading out of the scriptures, right? You're reading me out of the scriptures. I am here. Um, it's exactly what what John was wondering when he was in prison. He he said, you know, are you the Christ, or should we be waiting for someone else? And what does Jesus do? He goes back and he says, what was written about what the Christ would do? And the blind are seeing, and the lame are walking, and and um, the work is is happening. Um, I'm here, right? Yeah, um, my and, work is in, incomplete because the the judgment that you talked about, John the Baptist, that's coming. Right. Uh, um, that my second coming will take care of the rest of those Old Testament scriptures that speak about me. Right. Right. And so we have you have this buildup um, um, that that is in with the Old Testament, and and really what what Jesus does in his ministry is he's he's always referring back to the Old Testament. He's re, he's he's going back and saying, okay, the scriptures that 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 are are being fulfilled right now that that are I've said uh, this is happening great book for that um Matthew right Matthew just if you would ever um have like uh, quotations in bold you get one of those bibles that give you the quotations in bold um where it shows you when when it quotes another part of the book uh, uh another part of the bible 
Matthew is filled with Old Testament quotations, just just loaded with Old Testament stuff. Um, because what is the point of Matthew? Matthew's point is, let's keep going back. This is Jesus was here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Just this is what Jesus is doing. This is what it said he was going to do. So here's the Old Testament filled with Jesus. Um, and then here's Jesus doing exactly what the Old Testament promised the Messiah would do. So <clears throat> going into the Old Testament then, let's let's we, we kind of walk, we have a little bit of an outline. It's it's an outline, and I didn't create it. So don't don't <laughs> he's growing, folks. He's growing. But don't get excited and be like, Pastor Harley created an outline. He didn't. I stole the outline from somebody else because I liked it. <laughs> And, and so we're going to follow our way through this little bit of an outline for for um, our show. And and so, the, the, like I said, the main point is we're not reading Christ into the Old Testament. We're reading him out of the Old Testament. A good thing for us to say to ourselves is, what is Jesus telling us about himself to the church, right? That, that whenever we read the Old Testament, um, we should be saying, what is Jesus telling us about himself to the church? Um, which is really difficult when you get into some of the sections that are, are kind of narrative, right? You're, you're saying, well, this is a narrative. Uh, Where is Jesus in here? Well, that's the joy of wrestling with the text. Yeah, exactly. You start in Genesis and you go, where is, where is Jesus in Genesis 1 and God creating the world? Because it seems like it's all God the Father's activity uh, speaking. And then you read John, which says, in the beginning was the Word, and you go, oh, Okay, there, you know, the God speaking and using his word, uh, hiding himself in the word is Christ. Uh, Christ does that all the time. That is, that, um, that is who Christ is, is hiding himself in the word because he knows that's what's going to work and that's what's going to change hearts. Um, and that is, and perhaps maybe it is, I don't know if it's too far to say it, but that's just the God, the way that God likes to work. Well, and, and I think it's, well, like you said, you know, you, you made that connection to Genesis, right? And you make the gen, uh, connection from Genesis to John. But, I mean, you you miss that hop, skip, and a jump um, right here from Proverbs. Proverbs 8, uh, Hokmah, wisdom. Uh, wisdom was in the beginning. Wisdom created. Wisdom personified. Wisdom is 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 a part of God. Um, in New Testament, uh, Jesus is the wisdom of God, Right. Um, so we have these connections of, of who is there at creation. But well, one of these things that I think that is, is really so beautiful about it is how, how you mentioned the Lord hides himself, right? Um, and, and this is the beauty of the scriptures because scriptures reveal God to us. Um, when you, we look at nature, and we've had these conversations before, but when we look around at the world today and we look around at nature and we look around at the created thing, we can say God Somebody, we're going to call that somebody God, created this. Because you look at the intricacy of it all, and it, 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 is in, it is mathematically impossible for it to have come by chance. I mean, you look at, at science today, and they keep adding more and more time because they think if you add more and more time, things become more and more possible. But it becomes more and more impossible that those little things that cannot exist without the rest of the structure would survive. Yeah, it is fascinating just to see how much of God's creation is dependent on each other. Like you can't break it down and say, well, this cell, even like you said, even a small, this cell could, I forget what the name of the cell, there is a cell structure that has a propeller type um, to it and it has 28 moving parts. 
And it, if you take any one of those parts, the thing doesn't work. And any one of those things, parts, don't need to be there unless it's part of this propeller uh, of the cell. So you you think of the the smallness of creation and how God is intricately and wisely put it together. And then you think of the vastness of creation and that what's that communicating? Like this God that we have is big and um, eternal. And now in recent times, uh, uh, in science has said, well, uh, the, the Big Bang isn't necessarily, or our our universe is, is eternal, like it has a, an eternal beginning. And you say, well, maybe there's somebody who is eternal. Who, who began it. Who man. began it all, right? Because right? that's the problem with evolution. Is they always they, they can't figure out where everything started from. And so now the, the recent most cop-out cop is just to say, well, it's always been here. Well, you know, that's a cop-out because we know everything has to have a beginning we're in we're people of time everything has to have some sort of beginning or a logical stop or yeah and and that would be thomas aquinas's right thomas aquinas's argument is that 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 eventually you have to come otherwise you have this thing which is which is a uh, philosophical term called the infinite regress and infinite regress means if you ever and, and the best way to picture that is if you take a, a mirror and you shine it into another mirror and you keep seeing the reflection of another of the mirror going back 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 that's called infinite regress. The brain cannot function on infinite regress. It has to have a logical stop, and and so does everything. Everything has to have a logical stop, but the logical stop has to be something that is more than what is there. So that has to be the lot. And so Thomas Aquinas would say the logical stop is God. And and it seems, it, okay, so we talked about God hiding himself and wrapping himself in mystery, and, and we see it in the creation where we see this, this God who has given such wonderful beauty and he's given such wonderful expanse and such minute, intricate detail. And then we, we go to this idea of, well, Things are broken. Things aren't right. Things things are bad. Why why would this God create such beauty and such expanse and then and then have it be faulty? Um, and so we have this we have this mystery that's there, and then God reveals it. But but just as He reveal uh, reveals everything in, in in segments, He does the same in Scripture. And, and I and I think this is where where really we come back to the to the Old Testament, and we we work our way through the Old Testament, and we work our way through the different parts of the Old Testament. We see this revealed presence of the Lord done in segments. Now, uh, Chad Bird, as he postulates, and, and I, I'm not saying he's wrong. Maybe it's worth a good conversation, but his postulation is that is that really um, everything after the Torah, which would be the first five books of the Bible, well, we would call them the Pentateuch, um, the, 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 the books of Moses, he says everything after that is pretty much divinely inspired commentary. And that, and that it's the Lord um, giving his own commentary on the stuff he's already fundamentally laid out for us in the first five books. So, so I'm, I'm starting to reveal in the first five books. I'm going to comment on further revelation on what I've already started to reveal in the first five books, um, all to the point and purpose that, that eventually what we're going to hit here as we hit the end of, of the book of, of, uh, of the Old Testament is we're going to have this, uh, this is exactly what we're looking for in the Savior. This is exactly what, what the, who, who Jesus is, who, who the Messiah is going to be. And then you have the Old Testament is done, New Testament comes, and we see 
everything in fruition where now all of a sudden God is here and Christ is here and we have um, all of this being fulfilled and what happens is that now we have have um, going back to the Old Testament scriptures going back to to what he has revealed uh, we see Jesus living it in in the flesh what are your thoughts on that 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 this buildup um, I'm actually intrigued. I just want to hear more. Tell me more about it. I don't have a response right now. Well, let's talk a little bit about it. Oh, he builds off of this concept, by the way. It's not just Chad's bird, uh, Chad Bird's idea about this. What what he he goes off of rabbinic um, studies. So people who are Hebrew um, and and the rabbis and and this is their impression as well. But then he also is going to bring in some Lutheran. I have a couple of quotes that that he quotes in in his class. Uh, the first one is is. Um, um, Rabbi Isaac, who comments on Exodus, and he says, that which the prophets were destined to prophesy in every generation they received at Mount Sinai. So in other words, what, he, what, what was going on is, is what the Lord shares with Moses and the laws uh, for, for um, ceremonial, moral, well, first moral, then ceremonial, then political uh, assemblage, of the people of Israel, what what the Lord shares there really is is the commentary we get based on that uh, that the prophets keep coming back to. Well, it's a question for the Old Testament rabbis in your studies as you're looking at this. Why is it that they're focused on the first five books? Why aren't they focused on say David and Solomon and establishing the kingdom in Israel? Why are they focused more on Sinai than well? It, from my studies, from what we've been going through, the the rabbis really focus on that is because the in the book of Exodus and and you have um, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, especially, it focuses on the establishment of the Israelite nation and the establishment of not only the governing way but their ceremonial way, um, and in the in Hebrew culture, um, the ceremonial practices were like the most extreme. Um, they they have to have those. Um, because of this mandate by the Lord, this is how worship was supposed to be. This is how God is going to come and serve them. Um, not necessarily they are serving him, but God is serving them through these things, um, through these means. And, and it became a, a very cultural center and a cultural focus for the people of Israel. Uh, so much, though, that, that when we get into the Maccabees later on in between the intertestamental periods, they, they go to war over the right to offer their sacrifices because this is God's service to them. Um, you know, there is just huge, even into the times of, of, of the New Testament, you have um, this underlying current of discontent um, that's happening because Rome is, is forcing their Gre- uh, Greek, uh, Greco-Roman policies onto uh, people that say, we have our own culture, we have our own laws, we have our own worship. And, and you can't take it away. In fact, in the Roman culture, during the time of Christ, the only religion that was acceptable outside of the Roman religion of their polytheism was Judaism. It, 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 and that was, that was the thing until, what, uh, 64 mm-hmm. A.D., where, where Judaism was then finally outlawed because they said enough is enough is enough and we're, we're going to eradicate you. And they do. In 70 A.D., they destroy the temple again. But you have this this whole thing, this running trend through the Old Testament of of God's people um, really struggling with the moral law, the civil law, and and really the ceremonial law. 
Um, in fact, even in the even in in the the prophets, we'll have the ceremonial law being practiced, but being practiced without a heart for what is really going on in the ceremonial law and what God is doing for them through the ceremonial law. So I think there, I think many many rabbis focus back on the establishment, and so they come back to the Torah, they come back to these first five books, so much so that they say that 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 really they'll there is a branch of Judaism that says they are the only recognized scriptures um, for them because they are the establishment of this culture. So I don't know if that answers the, the question. Yeah, that answers the question because I think sometimes we would think that, that they would be focused more on the, you know, David being a king and the kingdom of Israel. Like this is the big thing where you're highlighting something that maybe is not thought of as much is the, the importance of all of these ceremonial um rituals that it wasn't a side thing for the old testament israelites and it wasn't something that the people in jesus day uh uh, treated lightly they it was very much a very important thing so much so that they would you know pin jesus and say you're not keeping the sabbath because that's all part of the ceremonial laws or you don't pay the temple tax or you you know all of these things were they're focused on how jesus worshiped more than how jesus conducted himself or Yes, they objected when he rode into Jerusalem as a king, but a lot of things that Jesus did as, as in the in the um, the office of a king is not what people think historically as a king anyway, because he's fighting the battle over sin, death, and hell, and that's you know on the cross and suffering and all that stuff. Um, the only times that I can think of that Jesus represented himself as a king is when he rides into into Jerusalem. Um, so. Well, and and I think you know you you talk about that, and and you you're making very good mentions of of the times that people are wrestling with Jesus and and what he's doing. Notice many of the times that the Pharisees and the Sadducees that they come up against Jesus, a lot of their problems with Jesus are when he references directly the Torah. You know, what did Moses say? Um, we are children of Abraham. I mean, they're taking directly from the first five books of the Bible. Um, now, now, is it true that that um, they did study the rest of the scriptures? Absolutely, because they said, well, where is the king to be born, right? Herod asks that right. question. Um, so, I mean, it's not as if the rest of the scriptures uh, weren't a thing. It was, I, I think, just like we have here from this Rabbi Isaac, this, the, the, everything after Deuteronomy— became a divinely inspired commentary that builds off of the very foundational framework um, that the, this this beginning of God revealing himself to his people um, and you and and beyond an establishment of a government beyond the establishment of a kingship you have the establishment of God choosing people and that's important and, and I think for the Israelite culture that was important but it's also important for us that that you have the first Gentiles chosen in in the Pentateuch to be followers of God. You have uh, you have people who are not part of the people of Israel being brought in to be followers of the Lord. You have nations being um, uh, uh, raised up and 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 others coming down um, as they interact with God's people. Uh, and and so you see when the promises, um, those you bless I will bless, those you curse I will curse, those who go after you I will I will destroy. You see these these beginning foundations starting to form in the beginning parts of of 
uh, those first five books of the Bible. And, and, and then all of a sudden after that, we, we see this continuing flourishing of the faithful. Um, we see a division of the Israelites. Uh, we see a division of Israel in, in itself. Those who are of faith being the true Israel and those who are not of faith not being Israel at all, right? They're going off on their own way. Um, you see a division um, of, of, of those who gather around true worship later on in the book of, of Kings, right? When, when the nation divides, you have, yeah. the, you have all of the people. And, and it's, not, and it's, it's interesting in the, in, in the book of Kings, we think, oh, the only people that were, were on the good side was Judah and Benjamin. But you fail to read into the book of Kings that, that all of the tribes, from all of the tribes, the true believers, the faithful, the ones who had been brought to the, to, to the Messiah through true worship as God served them in the temple, they left the northern tribes and they came down to the southern tribes to live because this is where worship was. This is where God served us and, and they weren't going to give it up. Um, and the rest of them stayed <laughs> in where they were. So, I mean, you have this establishment of this true, this true thing, this true, true body of believers, these, these true chosen people of God, um, which, is, which is a cool thing. Moses looks at it, uh, or I shouldn't say Moses, Luther looked at it the same way. So it, it's not just the, the rabbis who looked at this and said, okay, the Torah, the, 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 the fundament, five fundamental books, started this whole thing. Uh, Moses says here in, in a quote, and this is, you can find it in the American edition of Luther's works uh, on his commentary of the Psalms and specifically Psalm 90, because Psalm 90 is a Psalm of Moses, right? So he's, he's going to comment on Moses and he says, uh, Moses is the source from which the holy prophets and also the apostles inspired by the Holy Spirit extracted divine wisdom. This being the case, we shall not live up to our calling better and in greater harmony with God's will than by leading our followers to this source, showing them in our own way the seeds of divine wisdom which the Holy Spirit through Moses has sown in such a manner that neither reason nor the power of human nature, if it does not possess the Holy Spirit, can see or understand them. So that's kind of an interesting look at it. He looks at it and he says, Hey, you know, you want you want the wisdom of the gospel? You want the understanding of how God is 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 working and how he fundamentally works? Look at Moses' life. <laughs> Look at his ministry. Um that will give you a good understanding, right? That that will give you a really good understanding. Um what do you what are you thinking? Um I'm I'm uh, appreciating more about the first five books of the Bible and just the and I remember in seminary, there's not a whole lot I remember about from seminary, which is to my to my shame. But uh, what I remember from my Old Testament professor always saying how, um, or maybe it was my his, history professor. I can't even remember which one. I'm sure it was both at some time at w- some point. Just saying how, in when it comes to um, false doctrine, it's creeping into the church, or. Um, understanding of misinterpreting the Bible or trying to take away what, from what the Bible is, uh, it usually starts in Genesis. It usually starts in the first five books where you have your Old Testament professor saying, well, this didn't really happen the way that uh, Moses says, or, or just trying to, to attack uh, the authorship of Moses and the content of what he wrote. 
because in it and perhaps and it's my hope as well for the dear listeners that they look at the first five books of the book of moses the first five books of the bible that they would see these things as foundational rather than um a precursor to the good stuff well and i think that's <clears throat> and and let's talk about that a little bit um as we go forward here um you know i think there is approaches right to how we view the old testament um uh, Chad Bird, he brings up what three of them, four of them, um, and and in oh. his in his paper here, he he brings up uh, the museum, he brings up uh, the spiritual gym, the vast desert with occasional oases, and, and then and then uh, how they all miss the point where where we should see Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so the museum, let's talk about that. So yeah. it's just something that. Um, you know, something nice to look at and, and admire what what happened in the past, and all you know, isn't this interesting what they did here? But not really anything life changing. That it is not something that really changes us, or doesn't actually give us any information about God or an appreciation for what God does for us today. Right. Or or you look at that and you, you kind of say to yourself, okay, so God did that back then. Whoopie do. He doesn't do that now. Right. Um. You know. Oh, hey, or God. I wish he would do things or, like. <laughs> or I wish he would. You know, you look at it and yeah, you, you, you know, I I think of the time you walk through. I went um, back when it was in Chicago. Uh, it had to be a couple of years ago. Um, I really wanted to go and see King Tut's uh, display, mm-hmm. and never got a chance to do it. But I wanted to do it because you just people don't make such things out of gold <laughs> like they did back then. You know, and just the intricacy of what they put together. And you look at that and you're like, they're like, yeah, it happened. I see it. It happened, but it doesn't affect me. I mean, other than it's cool looking. Um, and that's sort of the idea of the museum, right? That, you know, people don't make that kind of stuff anymore. Um, you know, you, you don't get Rembrandts anymore. You don't, you don't get um, Da Vinci's anymore. You get people who put trash together and say, here's art. Um, Okay, now that was an oversimplification, and I apologize. Overgeneralization. <laughs> Overgeneralization, and I apologize. But but you, that's what a museum is all about. A museum is you look at these things and you say, okay, these things happened, but it doesn't affect me because I'm not living that time and I'm not living with that going right. on. Or I wish you know the the pining for. I wish you know the good old days. I wish God would interact with the world like the good old days in in the first five books of the Bible. You know, wish we'd have a, a mountain that God would would camp out on and and send thunder and lightning and and uh, well, that would change at, hearts wouldn't it <laughs> strike people down who haven't been in church for uh, a period of time so it would be nice you know it would be what, nice oh jesus if you just give us a sign and by the way this the preferred sign i would like to politely volunteer for you is you know manna <laughs> back our fathers had manna they had manna for 40 years <laughs> yeah and we've got some pork over here, so yes. maybe maybe you could you could do a little bit better, Jesus. Pork isn't for Jesus. <laughs> oh, you can't have pork. Lamb, lamb, lamb we got lamb over there. Yeah, <laughs> we got lamb over there, Jesus. Uh, and uh, the last trick was with fish and bread. <laughs> Let's up the ante. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you could do better. <laughs> yeah, there's always that uh, desire for things in the past, but not a realization of that the same God that operated in the past is the same God who operates now, or missing the entire point of why. God did what he did in the Old Testament um, and not and failing to see how God is still miraculously present in the now. 
Right. And so so the so one of the approaches we take or has been taken in the Old Testament is this is just the museum. Let's 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 stroll through. We'll visit it every now and then and uh, we'll enjoy it. And then we'll say, well, that was nice. And we'll put it away on the shelf and we'll move on with life. Then there's this uh, idea of the spiritual gym. And the spiritual gym is that that place to work on you know, sort of buffing up uh, certain areas of our life that, that um, you know, we might see that are they're missing. Like, I, I don't feel quite wise today, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and dive into the Proverbs, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch up on some of those words of wisdom. Um, it, we work on accomplishing a goal, right? Um, I'm going to fix myself. It's, a, it's, the, it's the 12-step program to, to a better life as I, I read through the Old Testament. Yeah, or looking at the Old Testament dietary restrictions and say, I wonder if God had this in mind. Like, this is how we were hard to, to stay act. fit and trim. Stay, stay fit and trim. So, if I would do all of these things and uh, um, eat all of these certain foods, if I would make this my practice to have a day where I don't work, um, maybe this are maybe God has some hidden blessings in these things for me today. Maybe that's the point of them, rather than. Christ. Yeah, and isn't that like the the Paleolithic diet and the, the keto diet? <laughs> oh, keto not so much because we can have bacon. Oh, keto. sorry, kosher diet. We're gonna <laughs> go kosher diet. We're gonna do the kosher diet. But no, it's it's one of those things where, and I think you're right. You know, you go back and and um, I, I guess I see it interact with the church. I I see the spiritual gym interact with the church on a more regular basis, and you probably do too. Because I don't know how many times um, you'll talk with members, and they they know Jesus and they love their Lord and they love what He has done, and then they will come out, but you gotta, and then it says here in the Old Testament, or it said, or God said, and it's like they're going back to the Old Testament and they're using it as this this uh, gauge of morality, right? They're they're um, when you struggle, go back, and what does God say? What did God tell you to do, right? Um, and, and you see that in the church so often. Wouldn't our world be a better place if the Ten Commandments were taught in our public schools? Or yeah, or hung in our justice systems, right, in the halls of justice. Um, give them the Ten Commandments, Pastor. And, and, and then if you're really nice, give them the what does this mean um, so that we all know what it, what it means, you know, so that we can explain it better. Um, but that's exactly right. I, I think there's the spiritual gym that, that we see um, coming out of the the Old Testament is, and then we have the stories to back it up. So, um, you know, we're going to talk about don't don't live in adultery. Let's talk about Joseph and how Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him and how he said, no, that's how you should be. You know, look at he even ran away. Um, you know, so we say that's that moral story, right? Oh, don't be like David. Don't be like David. When you're called to war, go to war. Don't stand on top of your roof looking at a girl bathing and then call her over. That's bad. Don't do that. But they become the moral the moral guide, right? Yeah, and it's not to say that we're discounting the Ten Commandments or we shouldn't use the Ten Commandments today or that we shouldn't uh, be using Joseph and reminding ourselves. But if we're, if, if we're looking for some sort of hidden blessing from God by doing all those things rather than saying, how do these things... Uh, how do these? What does this tell us about Jesus? What does this tell us about the Christ? Uh, how much we need Him, first of all, and then how how much He kept the law for us, and how now through Him we are empowered to live, um, and out of thankfulness for Him. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so in other words, are you, I'm getting out of, I'm getting from what you're saying is, is, is again, asking that question. um, What is Jesus telling us about himself to the church? Um, So you look at David who's, who fell and you you say, you know, David was, was, was the apple of God's eye, but um, there's one better than David coming. And, and you see Joseph and you see how Joseph was, punished for doing what was right. And you're like, you know what? Who else was punished for doing what was right? And Joseph wasn't always right, but there's one who is perfect, who is always right, and he was still punished for us, right? So you see all of these these wonderful tapestries that are starting to form in the Old Testament as we move forward and we say, okay, um, we, 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 are, we are seeing glimpses of the revealed Messiah coming through. Um, what is our need how does he fulfill that need? Um, why why is Joseph why did Joseph do what he did? Well, he says because it's sinning against my God. I mean that is a result of faith, right? Um, <clears throat> a life changed by 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 his Lord. Why did David uh, do what he did? Because he's a sinner. Um, how did he come about um, to change that? Well, the Lord came and worked on his heart through a prophet who shared with him the commandments and this is wrong <laughs> um you know and in these beautiful ways the tapestry is is, is being made so we have this now vast desert um that's another that's the approach one, yeah. yeah the next one is is a, a vast desert with the occasional oasis um so maybe maybe explain that one for us um if we're looking at the old testament you would say well only the, there's some good parts in here that talk about jesus like you know psalm 23 obviously that's about jesus or Psalm twenty two is about Jesus too. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> In fact, it's it's predominantly quoted <laughs> upon the cross. <laughs> right, where you say those are good things about Jesus, or Isaiah, uh, the virgin will be with child. Oh, that's talking about Jesus. Um, or Isaiah talking about he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Oh, that's talking about Jesus. But all the rest of this stuff, not so much important. Not not so much, and um, and uh, it, it's. I really kind of struggle with this one because I know sometimes we allegorize and we try to put Jesus in the scriptures rather than letting the scriptures reveal to us this is how this is Christ. Or and and I think there's a there's always a tension because if the scriptures don't tell us this this particular incident is about Christ, then we have to we have to recognize that and say, well, I think I see I think I see Christ there, but it's not the same as say. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, or he was a virgin uh, because of Isaiah six, or, or or those things, or or Genesis talking about the the seed of the woman crushed. We know that's about about Jesus. There's no doubt about that. But I but would you would and and maybe and I I I when I first went through this and I've I've gone back and reread and reread and I'm I'm trying to get a handle on it myself. But when you look at the Old Testament and we look at the narrative sections and we see the struggles of of God's people and we look at look at their 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 ups and downs, their hardships and things. And and I can understand where you say, is this where is Jesus in here? You know, I don't want to read him into it, I want to read him out of it. And then I start thinking, these people are believers, they're part of the body of Christ. I'm not re- I'm not reading Jesus into it. I'm reading Jesus out of it by saying the body of Christ struggles and what does he do to 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 fix that? What does he do to preserve them? And and then I and then I I kind of look ahead in the life and I see wait a second, you know, the the New Testament is filled with 
the body of Christ struggles and he strengthens it. And the body of Christ struggles and he cleanses it. The body of, str- uh, of Christ struggles and he tends to it. Um, you see, it's, I, I, I kind of see this motif as we go through the scriptures, not necessarily um, devoid of, okay, now we're not talking about Jesus, we're talking about the people of Israel. No, we're talking about the body of Christ and, and look at its struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's got a problem. <laughs> and, God comes to, and, and, and God comes to the rescue, right? Um, it's, it's, it's got an issue and there's Jesus. And they're, they're, they they forgot, and he comes and serves. And, you know, you get all these little, yeah, I go back to the kings. The kings is beautiful where you see this because there's this up and down movement, and all of a sudden they forgot the Lord, and all of a sudden the scriptures are up, they appear, and, and the services of the Lord come back, and the people rejoice, and, 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 and all of a sudden the temple is, is flowing with the, the, the strength and the service of God for his people. This is the struggle, right, of the body of Christ um, that we have as and and maybe I'm wrong, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But when I look at the Old Testament more and more, and I'm looking at sections that don't scream Jesus, like the ones you quoted, where we say this is this is prophecy of Christ, hands down, absolutely. The rest of it is this is the body of Christ struggling, and and yet Christ still preserving them, which is the same thing I see in the New Testament. I see the body of Christ struggling. In fact, we're told that First Peter. You're going to suffer <laughs> lots of ways. Um, we're told that throughout the Gospels, right? Um, that, uh, well, just last week, um, depending on when you're listening to the show, but we, we pre- uh, were preaching on Mark chapter 10, right? And, and James and John, they're like, can we sit on your left and can we sit on your right? And, and Jesus is like, you don't really know what you're asking. Um, and can you, take the, can, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized in the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? And they're like, yep we can. And Jesus is like, yes, you will. <laughs> You're going to suffer. But but this position of right and left, um, that position is, is going to be held by two thieves when I enter my glory, which is going to be upon the cross. Um, and, and so he really directs himself to the cross, but he's not limiting it and saying, nope, the body of Christ is going to suffer. Every year when we when I go through confirmation class, we talk about the Bible. We say, here's the Old Testament, here's the New Testament. And I always appreciated the diagram that was in the, I think it was in the old catechism. I'm I'm not sure if it's in the new catechism or not, but just the idea of you look at the Old Testament and you have an arrow pointing to Christ. And you look at the New Testament, you have an arrow pointing back to Christ. And to teach the kids, the, the Bible really is about Christ, our need for him, how he uh, takes care of his church, how he takes care of his body, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, what does he provide for his body spiritually and physically for for his church? Um, it is about Christ. And and as we're reading the Old Testament, as we're reading the Pentateuch, as we're reading the Bible that Jesus read, he's reading about himself. It's, it's speaking about who he is, the kind of person he is, and it talks about what he's going to do for his people. And and, and that leads then, I, probably in the last couple of minutes, our, our final little journey into giving this primer on on reading the old testament is that there there are trigger warnings throughout um you could call them hyperlinks <laughs> but it's it's the things that you should that that you are going to encounter especially in the torah um the first five books but throughout all of the pages of the old testament that you're going to start to say i i i i'm thinking about jesus here so you, you like in and we're going to talk about it in leviticus but like the bread of the host the bread of the presence. I'm thinking about 
communion. Why am I thinking about communion? Well, I'm thinking about communion because that's the intent. We're, we're starting to lead us down this road of, of communion. Oh, wait, there's, there's, there's the placing of your hands on, on, on the sacrifice, and the sins are going into the sacrifice, and then the sacrifice is being, being um, um, killed, and then you're eating it. Why am I eating it? Because I'm thinking about the, I'm thinking about the Lord's Supper. I'm thinking about one who gives his life and then gives it to me, his body and blood. That would be the thank offering. The thank, right. sorry, the, the sin offering yes. is, is given up whole. Right, right. It's given up whole and and it's burnt. The fatty offering and um, the scapegoat. Right. We're thinking of what do we should that someone else is taking the blame and it's going out and we're not sure what God's going to do with it, but we're going to let it go. Um, but this idea of uh, even the idea of the basins and and the priests cleaning themselves precursor to to uh, priming the pump to um, we are God's holy priesthood baptized into him right um, cleansed to do this service um, just these automatic wonderful things that start to just just crop up throughout the pages of the Old Testament that there's these trigger warnings that are are, are starting to prime the pump of what we're going to see in the New Testament right um, and, and you see that throughout all the pages of the Old Testament and so these are these hyperlinks, and so you see water imagery, and you're going to see bread imagery, and you're going to see sacrificial imagery, and you're going to see um, the desire for perfection from God to his people. The, and, and, and I think most importantly, and it has to be said because we are in, we're in October now, right? This is our last podcast, last podcast for October. You see justification pronounced. God making people holy. God pronouncing them as different. God changing who they, that's justification type of, of, of terminology. And so we see all of that coming out here in the Old Testament as, as God gets these hyperlinks together. Um, and, and he says, okay, I'm going to put this in here and you're going to start seeing this. And, and then when you get to Jesus in the New Testament and we start seeing his ministry, we're like, I, I, I thought of that. I, I saw that. Where did I see that? <laughs> right? Uh, where did we see this image before? Um, and it goes the other way too. Because if you're reading the Bible and you go reading the New Testament and you're saying, "Why is Jesus talking himself about the bread?" I mean, why? What? What's up with that? Or when he talks about the Sabbath day, you know, what? What? Why? Why? Why is Jesus talking about the Sabbath? And why is he so um, adamant that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath? And and the whole idea of the rest that we find is found in Him. Um, why? So all of the, the it helps put the pieces together that Jesus doesn't just come into this world in isolation, just pops up and he has all of these ideas that are fresh and new, but really all of what he is is the culmination of it of what has already been established in the first five books of the Bible. Um, this is this is God's plan for His salvation for His people. Um, that is what He is going to accomplish for them. Absolutely. And, and I think just to sum up our, our time together here, um, just to, I guess in a little bit of, of beautiful word picture and, and, and play, um, Luther does a wonderful job in his flood prayer to connect those dots. You know, as the people of Israel are brought from Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea, they're brought into the Holy Land uh, as the, the parting of the Jordan. Um, we are now brought from, from slavery, into, from sin, uh, into life through the waters of baptism. His flood prayer beautifully connecting that, that 
um, beginning Old Testament water imagery, right, as he connects over. But but just the idea of of the connections of that are that are throughout. Um, you have in the beginning Bereshit, right? Um, as God starts out His very words in the Scriptures, um, He starts it off. You have the idea of of Rosh head being the, the first head. What is it that uh, the the Scriptures call Jesus? He is the head of the church. He is the beginning and the end. You have this imagery of him being connected to the beginning. Um, you have the imagery of, of, of the son of man coming. You have the imagery of, of I am, uh, as he talks to Moses from the burning bush. And what is, what is later that Jesus says, ego me and people go ballistic because he's like, he called himself God. They understood exactly what he was saying that, that those are those connections, right? That we see, um, as our Lord, he, he, uh, connects himself to this very thing. And he says, I am the, from the beginning, from the very foundations of the earth. Um, I, the Christ am there with you and, and I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to be there for you. And I think that's probably the best introduction we can have as we work our way into studying the Old Testament a little bit more uh, to say, here's Christ there for you. What do you say? I just have to say, I was just um, just thinking of Jesus when he's entering into the synagogue and they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. Would I would would Jesus say, "Oh, wait, I'm not in Isaiah. Um, uh, let's move the let's move the let's go over to Genesis. Let's go over to Psalms." Where he's like, "Bring me anything from the Old Testament. I will talk to you about it. And guess what? It will all be fulfilled in me." 